welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who know the three constants in Philadelphia sports. One, Tobias Harris will have a travel violation. Two, the Flyers will lose in a shootout. And three, Carson Wentz will have a fumble sack in every game. What's up, Chuck and Gene? I feel like that introduction should come with a sad trombone. Um, and that is incredibly true. Uh, I thought three constants. Well, that's slide whistle. <laughs> and we're not a sound effects kind of show. Um, uh, I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Uh, this is Gene Zilak, and you can find me at Producer Gene. And that's probably about as lighthearted as I'm going to be tonight. <laughs> this game today, the Eagles played, man, it just sucked any sense of joy out of my life. But that's good Foley work out of you. Thanks. I <laughs> I practice. I, I, I go around the house just making that sound. <laughs> that's a sad little life you lead. So, uh, like, first off, can we start on a positive note? Sure. Please do. I think, I think it's pretty fantastic. We we talk about a lot of uh, awful things uh, around the NFL and a lot of awful things that NFL players have done and how the NFL sort of mishandles itself and uh, and does itself a disservice. But seriously, like, stand, standing ovation for the Eagles and what they did for the Pleasantville uh, football team hosting that that playoff. I think it was a playoff game uh, mm-hmm. at Financial Field after it was interrupted by a uh, by a shooting. Um, Pleasantville is about ten minutes from where I grew up, uh, so you know I know that area pretty well. And I just think, you know, I, I read a I read a letter on Facebook the other day from one of the teachers to the um, to the Philadelphia Eagles after the event from a from a Redskins fan uh, who was one of the teachers and. Uh, you know, it's pretty moving, and you know, you just gotta kind of, you know, proud to be a fan of a a classy organization like the Eagles. Yeah, agreed. And and Jeffrey Lurie does a lot of things right. You know, I on the whole, I I can hold my head up high being an Eagles fan. You know, there's not very many black eyes on this organization. Um, even the whole Michael Vick thing, you can make an argument where you're giving someone who paid their debt to society another chance. Um, so it, it's, it's not an organization that really embraces, you know, bad people. And, um, I thought it was a great gesture. I thought it was a, a great thing. I, I appreciate the Fox broadcast taking time to devote to that today. And yeah, it, things like that do make me uh, proud to root for the Eagles. And uh, it, I mean, it, look at some of these. Oh, sorry, Gene, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say it is nice that once in a while the NFL, when it does do something good, um, does take the time to kind of balance the scales against a lot of the negative news that they also generate. So, you know, that was, it was nice to see that something positive kind of came from professional football. Yeah, and not trying to make it a, a Democrat or Republican thing, but when you look around the league and you see owners like Jerry Jones and and Robert Kraft and all the stuff that he was, you know, involved in, you know, it's just nice not to have an owner that's not only not evil but 
it seems like a good a good a good old a good old lad a good happy <laughs> <laughs> oh right. jeffrey lori oh what a great lad jeffrey lori is all right now let's shit all over the team now <laughs> See, I thought I thought the positive thing you were going to start with was the defense for two weeks running. You know, our defense, which has struggled um, much of the year, looked pretty damn good. Looked really good, actually. Yeah, I mean, I did not think they were going to hold Seattle to seventeen points. Um, I, I, I this is two weeks, in, and this is what is so. Ah, uh, it's so infuriating is like you went you you went into that Patriots game thinking, wow, this is a really tough two game stretch at home. It would be nice if they would win one of them. But like, you know, thinking about it intellectually, they're probably going to lose both. But they had every opportunity to win both of these games. Yeah, a competent showing out of the offense in either one of these games and we win them. The defense shut down two very good teams and oh man, the offense just stinks out loud in like, yeah, there are injuries, but man, it goes way beyond injuries. We can't do shit. We can't do anything. You know, we were down what 10, three, most of the game and never have I been so disheartened to be down by one touchdown. Well, because you, know, like, you knew it was basically scaling Mount Everest to tie the game. Yeah. Like they were never going to put together a draw, a, a serious drive. Even when the defense forced a turnover to give them a short field, it was, it seemed like you would have to move heaven and earth just to get a first down. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just wanted to get in the field goal range. You know, like we could have won the game on field goals. And here's the saddest thing about it. The saddest thing about it is that the Patriots won this week, keeping the Cowboys just like right there at, at fingertips length from the Eagles. So you have everything. You have every reason to believe that they're still in this thing. They definitely could win the division. But what's also frustrating about that is if you look at how we were going into this season and you see how the Cowboys have pretty much lived up to the expectations that most people had for them, that they were going to be up and down and that they were going to struggle against good teams and that they might be able to beat up on bad teams. And they've they've kind of proven to be that eight and eight, nine and seven team. And the Eagles were people. A lot of people had them at like 11, 12 wins. And if they were on that pace, like this, we shouldn't even, you know, we could have lost these two games. It, it makes me more frustrated that you lose that Detroit game. It makes me more frustrated that you lose that Atlanta game. Um, because then you can absorb these sorts of losses. But on top of that, we were right there in these games. And, I mean, pick take your pick as to who you want to blame. Uh, I, I know that there's some 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 chatter that now Wentz is going to have his hand looked at. Uh, he came back in that game and threw a touchdown pass after he got his hand hurt. So I don't know what they did in the locker room to get him through it if he's really got an injury to his throwing hand. Um, 
could that be a blessing or a curse? What 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 is your take now on what is clearly going to lead the news tomorrow is that Carson Wentz might be hurt again? I, I mean, if it's a hand injury, it's it's a freak thing. You know, yeah, the guy's been hurt a lot, but you can't lump that in together with the other injuries. I just don't want him to get off the hook with an injury. You know, I don't want it to be, well, yeah, he gets another incomplete on the report card because he, he couldn't finish the season. I, and we'll get into it, I'm I'm sure, we'll, we're about to get into it now, I guess, is he had another really bad game. Like, this wasn't, oh, is Carson a lead or not? This was This was a flat-out bad game. And before he injured his hand, it, I just want a full season out of him, a full season. And even if it's bad, just to go, all right, how does he react with an offseason when healthy in to find out who the hell he is? You know, if he has a if this rest of the season, he shows himself to be an adequate quarterback with these real stinkers thrown in. Maybe next year it can be. Okay, this was a bad year. It was a one-off. He never really found his footing. You know, go have a come to Jesus. <laughs> no, no pun intended uh, for Carson Wentz, but have a come to Jesus moment and get his shit together and have a great next season. I don't want a damn excuse. I don't want. Yeah, well, he hurt his hand, and if he didn't hurt it, hurt his hand. No, I don't want it. He's yeah, fine. I agree. That's that is a hundred percent my stance on it. I he, this is his mess too, and you know he started it. He should finish it. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that that's one of the boxes that needs to be checked for Carson is can he complete a sixteen game season? Um, I mean the way things are going, that that's all we're going to get is sixteen games. So you know, can he play all of them and stay healthy? And I think that's a big thing for not only us, but for him to, to check that box. But if we're still in this, do you think even if Carson is not healthy, so you guys are not of the opinion that even if Carson is healthy next week, um, you're not, you're not thinking about making a change. I mean, were you, was, was there at any point during this game today where you were, you were kind of thought maybe how he's going to, going to take out the hook and, and, and we're going to see Nate. And uh, just I like to, how it's Howie's decision. Uh, not Howie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is Howie's. I don't know. It but, could be. I don't know. But I, I, I guess I meant to say Doug. Uh, although I don't know if I meant to say Doug, but maybe there was some sort of a Freudian slip there. But uh, was there a point at today in today's game where you thought, you know, under other circumstances, maybe under Andy Reid or maybe other under, uh, maybe there are other head coaches in the league that Carson, after the third turnover or fourth turnover, uh, you know, he gets the hook. Good quarterbacks have gotten benched. Donovan McNabb got benched. Randall Cunningham got benched. Good quarterbacks get benched sometimes. Um, and you know, would that have? Do you think that that would have rattled the cage? Do you think that there was a point in a game where just putting a different quarterback in might have been enough to kind of jar the offense into an effective? They only needed to score once for most of this game to make it a real game. The defense looked like they were going to keep you in it, and they never, they never looked alive. And I don't know. There were, I don't know. If there was ever a point where I really believed that they would, but I, I think in that third quarter, I guess probably uh, there was a uh, well, there was a fumble or there was a, one of his turnovers in the third quarter. I said this this might be. I think it was the one where he then tried to make the tackle and hurt his hand. 
Um, I think th- I was like, this this might be the spot where you say, okay, Carson, go get looked at. We're going to put Nate in for a drive and see if he can get the ball moving. Um, you would have had a a built-in kind of a, a fall position there. Well, he, you know, we didn't want to risk the quarterback. We were, you know, we wanted to, you know, Nate was ready to go and we, we put him in. I, I think I just wanted to see if it was really – Carson looked like he was making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And if you put somebody else in there with a fresh – point of view on the game maybe things would be different i don't know man i don't like if there was any notion that carson wentz was on the sideline while healthy to you know to let nate sudfeld finish out a game a game that was always close it ended close you know a game that was always close like philadelphia would be on fire right now if it was Yes, I benched Carson Wentz, you know, and I let Nate Sudfeld f- finish the game. Philly would be in a full-scale riot. Like, that is a quarterback controversy that we don't need to have right now. And I wouldn't do that with the opponents we have coming up, you know, because I don't want to I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you know, I I said to my mother-in-law, um, I was picking up the kids right around the time of third quarter, came in, the game was on, and we had yet another turnover. And I said, well, that's the season. And I think I made some comment in our group chat of, you know, hey, don't worry about having to, to root for this team in the playoffs. We have no chance. We have a pretty damn big chance. We're playing a lot of bad teams. We are playing with the Giants twice, the Redskins once, and the Dolphins. Yes, we are playing the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. But if we beat up on the bad teams and the Cowboys, you know, they have to play some good teams. I forget who they're playing, but they have a, a couple tough they, opponents. I they think have they have the Rams. Yeah, they have a game against the Rams. I think they have one other team that's it's a pretty... They have the Bears, the yeah. Bills. The yeah. Bills. The Bills and the Bears and then the Rams. Teams that, are, are, all... teams that are playing for something. Yeah, and they're all losable games. Now, I don't have any confidence the Eagles can beat them, um, but with a whole bunch of bad opponents coming up, oh, man, that quarterback controversy isn't something that we need. You I know? think if we were saying there, there is no tomorrow, uh, you could justify the move. Um, but, you know, as we've talked on this show before, the Philadelphia sports psychologist market um, – you know, is a, a burgeoning industry, and uh, I don't know that we need any more any more clients from our four professional sports teams Do there. You... And Carson, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. He, he's <laughs> there's a lot of things playing on his mind. I think, um, and I, I don't need I don't need a look over the shoulder to Nate Sudfeld. Because if, if Nate comes in and and wins that game, do you really think that that's it? Stick a fork in him. Carson Wentz is done. Do you think that? You know, and and you know, along the same lines, do you think if Nate comes in and wins that game, that Doug is then obligated to now start Nate Sudfeld? Do you know how many Thanksgivings would be ruined? Like, like we have Thanksgiving coming up. I just can't. The whole I, I couldn't live with myself for. Yeah, a they'd week. have to make up an injury for Carson. They'd have to. They. Yeah. It couldn't be because if Sudfeld came in looked good and we won and that game was there to be won 
you know, if he came in, looked like competent, looked like a game manager, and we won, then you have to try him again next week. You have but to. Like, Carson, you have to step up, my man. Yeah. Dude, like, get it together. And I will give you every excuse in the world. Right. I will give you the all of your players are hurt. I will give you the drop passes. I will give you Brooks's out. I will give you Lane Johnson's out. But dude, the throws are not there. They're not close. What was that one play where they they had the um they it was so strange. It was like they gave us the Madden view. Yeah. Um it was late for in the game. Play. Yeah, it was late in the game. And was- and and went through the pick. And as soon as you let go of the ball, you're like, Oh, I wouldn't have thrown to X there Uh, (laughs) it's almost like you i meant to throw to y and i hit x by accident right and and, and it was complete cover like why why is why did that throw happen and And we could we could basically we could and i thought the broadcast actually today was pretty good um and you know they really showed you know where carson was making terrible decisions yeah i'm thinking of that one where the check down was totally open uh and he decided to not take that and take a sack instead. Um, I mean, he's just not a take what the defense gives you quarterback. He's just not. And I don't know. I don't know if that's good, bad, whatever. Right now, it feels like a bad thing. feels like that running back that just doesn't hit the hole and take the yards that are given. You know, he wants to force the the dramatic play or the the aggressive play. So I don't know. Do we like that or not? Right now, it's not working because you don't have the tools to 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 run that kind of offense effectively. There's been so much spin coming out after this game. There was that the chatter soon after that, you know, the Seattle defense was calling the Eagles plays before uh, before they were running them, especially some of these. Uh... Yeah, what's that about? Did, did anybody look into that, Chuck? I saw you, you sent out that tweet. I don't know. That's all I heard about it. I mean, does Seattle have? A former player, you know, a former offensive player from the the Eagles. They have a former I'm... defensive player, but no, I didn't know. I don't. I can't think of yeah. any former offensive players they have. What do you think about Kendricks? Yeah, but to me, I, you would think that the the. I, I can't imagine that a, a, a former linebacker would know the Eagles' offensive, you know, no. language. Essentially, would be, be be able to be able to call. If Michael Kendrick was so good at defense that he could call plays. <laughs> Then Michael Kendrick wouldn't be playing for Seattle. We would have paid him. But I, yeah. I, but and this this just feels like one of those stories that you hear after losses like this, where they where the the spinsters and you know whether it's you know your 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 team journalists or whatever or you know the players themselves, they start to spin. Well, you know we we how could how could we have we done anything on offense? They knew what we were going to do beforehand. Well. I don't know what to tell you, but maybe you're telegraphing way more than you think, because there are a lot of times me uh, in the car listening to the radio, not even able to see the play. I could have been like, you know what? I have a pretty good idea of what what's coming next. And, uh, you know, I wasn't I wasn't wrong. I was right as often as I was wrong in those cases. Um, We all know that if it's fourth and or third and nine, that Doug's going to run Zach Ertz in in a cross pattern. And he's going to be about two yards in front of the sticks. Everybody who's ever watched the Eagles play uh, this year knows that he's either going to be coming from the left or the right. The amazing thing with Zach Ertz is I could pretty much tell you every route he's going to run. 
and the guy still manages to get catches to tell you how talented that guy is. Uh, it's you know he he never ceases to amaze me. But Doug, your play calling is predictable. Whether the defense is calling it on the field or not, uh, I'll tell you, me who knows literally nothing, uh, I know when you're going to run a a tight end screen to Goddard. You know, I, I you can see it in your formations. You are uncreative, and your quarterback has no ability to improvise, and it's a problem. Yeah, those two things coupled together are a really bad combination. You know, Carson doesn't make good decisions on the field. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't decide when to run out of the pocket to avoid a sack. He doesn't, you know, check down to the open player on top of just overthrowing people in these ducks that are like begging to be intercepted. There are half a dozen of those. Um, And then Doug's game planning. You know, I I feel like I feel like you can listen to last week's episode, but it felt like okay, we had some commitment to the run early. We saw some success, like not a hell of a lot, but enough. And then, but every third down, we're throwing every time. You know, we needed momentum. We're throwing. We got away from that run game in the later. Second half, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like you, you know, having this conversation, I'm having severe deja vu from last week. I mean, all right. So when you run down the list, you know, Jackson's out, Jeffrey's out, who was called Jeffrey's in the broadcast today. I like to point that out. Um, Aguilar was out, Johnson's out, Brooks is out. <clears throat> um, and, uh, uh, so like really Miles Sa- and they're and they're taking away Ertz. So really Miles Sanders was your probably best offensive option in the game and I don't what I don't understand is why Carson Wentz cannot throw a screen pass or he couldn't throw it today. The first drive with Miles Sanders out on the flat like I <laughs> I don't know what that was. It was like we're on the moon. <laughs> that perfectly describes it. It's like, oh, gravity is different here. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Like the ball had, um, I, I don't know, a jet pack on it or something. Like, it what did. was that? Like that stuff cannot happen. Like when you talk about game of inches and stuff like that, you cannot let those plays go. You just can't. I don't know. And it's not like last week where it literally felt like because of the 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 way the field position was that the Eagles just could not do anything. There were points in this game, drives in this game, where the Eagles were – they had a, a drive that started on our own one, I believe, that we moved into Seattle territory, and then we, you know, fumbled. fumbled. But then got it back on a on a penalty because Seattle was not playing well either. They had so many penalties; they had almost 100 yards in penalties before we committed our first penalty. And we we get the ball back, we run another play, and and another you know a play later we fumble it again. We had we cut our our own throat so many times in this game. And you want to give credit to to the defense in some of those things that they're doing. But when you turn the ball over five times. 
that's on you. Like you can't turn the ball over five times. You can't you can't step on your own feet every time you make any progress. Because even if they had just converted a couple of those into field goals, then they're it's a different game. You and, have to and, start and, putting but points the, on the And those board. are four of those are Carsons. Like put them in your backpack and take them home because they're totally yours. Uh it just can't happen. It just can't happen. He leads the league in fumbles. Is that? Oh, yeah. And I think if you go back to maybe not last year, but yeah, I guess last year, he, he's the, the leads the league of all positions. So every game, every game we could count on a fumble from Carson Wentz. Every game. And this is a, an elite quarterback that, you know, uh, we're supposed to say uh, top 10. He's better than Dak. Every game, we get at least one fumble from him. And you 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 can see the way that defensive linemen attack him. They the book is out on him. They know the way that you if the way you tackle him, you can get the ball loose. That's why you see it happen in the same way every time. He's in that you know trying to step into the pocket, and some defensive lineman will just or a linebacker will just wrap their arms around his elbows, and he does this. His his hands pop open, and the ball falls on the ground. He does it every time. I'm with Doug Peterson, like to pull something out of like the movie The Program, and just have Wentz walk around the city holding a football. And if you knock that football out of his hands, you get like a hundred bucks or something. You they know, they, I, sh- they should make Nelson Aguilar just hug him for like three days. Just walk around with his elbows. Nelson Aguilar's not doing anything else in practice, so yeah. he might as well just <laughs> be the designated, like just hold him by the elbow. I thought you mean you were going to make him uh, like, you know, uh, lay down on the, the center line of Broad Street or something. <laughs> no, they cut that scene from the movie, apparently. They, they can't cut it from my mind. <laughs> I know. That's ingrained in there. And like... <laughs> Anyone under 35 has no idea what we're talking about. But no, that that scene will always stick out in my mind. I remember that being a damn good movie, and I'm worried to go back to it and think it would just be horrible. That's up that's up in the uh the the James Kahn uh Parthenon of of films. Godfather one, the program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Pr- Mickey blue eyes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. So, uh, what else did we want to talk about during this game? Anything? Who's this guy? Greg Ward. He looked like he might actually be a useful. Well, player. it seems like he he caught the ball and it hit hands. Right. Which and is a positive thing we can say about a receiver that we have. Had he been on the practice squad, could we have had him up instead of Matt Collins this whole time? Because hey, Matt Collins any catches today? Um, I I I I heard his name sometimes called during the broadcast because he had like come in in the substitution, but I don't think it was because he did anything offensively. And JJ oh Arthika Whiteside, I think, did have yeah, he did he a had, catch. He had, catch he had yeah. a catch. And I've never heard a player, you know, people ask about him and. Like to a man, everybody that's uh, you know on uh, it, the talks from the Eagles, whether it's the coach or the other players. Oh, he's got it all figured out. He's he's going to be great. Like when? At like at what point are we going to see this this superstar come out of his shell? 
I'm sorry, I get distracted. How the hell is the program not available free on any of the streaming services? <laughs> like, you can purchase it for $14.99, but I don't want to do that. I want to stream this, mother. <laughs> sorry. Well, I think it would be Disney Plus, right? So, is that a Miramax film? It, so, that would be a Disney subsidiary. So, it should be sandwiched somewhere between the rookie and. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it had the Disney headline. Yeah, uh, think... Mighty Ducks two. And uh, yeah, Mighty Ducks two probably. Yeah, I don't think you can buy it in a a you know a two DVD pack with Miracle and the Rookie, which which I did buy that two DVD pack. And was quite now sad now here's it. the other question though: uh, Would you have to put some sort of a sensitivity warning on the program like they're doing with Dumbo? Uh, tobacco use. Right? Isn't that the warning that they're putting on 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 Dumbo of... or in the well, on the program? There's a lot of tobacco use warnings, but Dumbo was for like horrible racism, <laughs> and I think even the disclaimer is not the best. It's like outdated, like outdated portrayals of like nationalities or something, as opposed to oh like, really? Yeah, yeah. I gotta figure that out. not horrible racism, <laughs> like just outdated. So you know, the, a couple years ago, this was fine. So the programs should be like completely unreal, uh, completely undersells the amount of violence in football. <laughs> uh, so uh, this program uh, presented as originally created, it may contain outdated cultural depictions. So even that's, um, but the program is not on Disney Plus. I'm sorry. Yet. Yeah. No. Yes. Sorry, I, I derailed this conversation. No, so the okay. Eagles play the Dolphins next week. Uh, That's in Miami. It feels Eagles like a trap are... game. Feels like a trap. Eagles... Game. <laughs> feels like a trap. <laughs> For Miami, yeah. it's a trap game. Eagles are seven and a half point favorites. I honestly like. I'm at the point now where you can't take any of these games for granted. No. Every one of them is going to be a dog fight. I I think. Yeah. No. I I'm not. I'm not chalking up four wins. It might be a good confidence builder. Give some time for people to get healthy. You know what sucks though? That's going to be a joyless game. Like we're going to watch that game next. I mean, we're all going to watch it. Yeah. Um. But if they win, we're going to be like, so what? And if they lose, they're going to be. It's going to be. You know, kill me now. <laughs> yeah. There's there there's really nothing you can get out of that game other than like, thank God we, you know, or either we're going to be excited we have our Sundays back, or, um, you know, we're going to be miserable because. Help help me through this, like, as a fan, right? Am I a good fan? I, I want to ask that because I'm at the point now where it's like, should, like, will I even be excited if they make the playoffs? I get, like, you know, chip in a chair kind of thing. Um, you know, anybody can win. Just get, just get to the tournament or whatever. But, like, will you even be excited that they're in the playoffs? Like, so they're playing – uh, so they'll play like a, a, the, a wild card team, you, you, uh, Seattle, maybe, um, like who else is in the mix for that? Uh, uh, you'd have Minnesota. Oh yeah. Minnesota. Like any of those teams coming here, do you feel like, all right, solid chance now. I, I don't, I don't think that Seattle looks so great today that I wouldn't want to play, play them in a first round of a playoff game. Like, honestly, uh, if, if, we were able to put together the 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 wins we would need to do to make the playoffs with as a division winner. I wouldn't mind seeing Seattle. I'd rather see Seattle than 
uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and we and we, part of that would be we'd have to beat Dallas, and I feel like that's the only game left that you could even call a signature win. Every other game you're going to be favored in, and you better show up because that's what the, this whole season is now. You need to be in position that that Dallas game actually means anything. That's to me. That's my Super Bowl right now. I want that Dallas game to be important, whether it's our chance to do something to screw up Dallas or it's to get into the playoffs. I'm going to make a prediction here and we're going to lose that Dallas game, but still make the playoffs. I think this Thursday Thanksgiving game against the bills is going to be a loss. I think against the bears or against the Rams, there's a loss in one of those two games. So the only thing the Eagles need to do is beat the bad teams. So it's going to be a wild card weekend. You know, we're going to see it coming up and we're going to say all the right things logically. You know, we're going to say we didn't earn our way into the playoffs. We're going to say, you know, we, we we're barely in this. There's no reason to believe we're going to win. But in our hearts, I guarantee you, every single one of us is going to be excited and going, you know, if we just win this game, you know, Carson is a good quarterback, you know, so I can't imagine a scenario in which we make the playoffs and we aren't excited. Um, I, I think we would couch that excitement in a lot of hemming and hawing and a lot of going, well, my brain tells me one thing, but our hearts will be excited. So, Chuck, you think that we are going to win the division and lose the Dallas game. That's yes. that's kind of where you're at. So that has yeah. you probably think they're going to lose the Bills game to put us even and then the Rams game to put us a game behind. And then they'd have to w- lose another game in order for us, you know. Wouldn't the, it have to be Bears or um... would they have to lose all three? They'd have to lose three because if they play us, we can't tie. We, we can't be oh, tied. Oh damn! Because they hold the tiebreaker. Because right, and they would have beat us twice in the season if if they beat well, us. So well, they then have to yeah, lose three games. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by my psychic prediction. I'm saying they're gonna lose all three. That is the most like disgusting way to make the playoffs. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I mean, there would be some joy in in their total collapse, but. Man, All like, right, so here, Cowboys have Bills, Bears, Rams, Eagles, Redskins. So you're counting on either the Bears or the Redskins if they lose to the Rams and the Bills. Yeah, l- listen, I'm not I, saying my psychic prediction holds up to scrutiny. I honestly think the Cowboys will beat the Bills. They will beat the Bears. So you think They'll that they probably lose to beat the Rams. the Rams? And And, you know... If they do that, then it, the uh, the game against us, we have wrap. to we we'd have to win that, and then they'd have to lose to the Redskins to make the playoffs. No, I, we control our own destiny. If we win out, we're in. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right because if we if we beat them, then we would have the we we probably would have the tiebreaker over them. We would pr- have it probably on common opponents. Yeah. So I, I look, I don't know. Either way, it's pretty gross way to make the playoffs. We're the worst team. We're the worst division in in football um, as a as a national football league fan outside of you know an NFC East region. I'm not really sure why you would want to watch an NFC East football game. 
Um, it's just it's kind of bad football all around. Every team is bad football. Yeah, it just it's it's unfortunate to a certain degree that it's also four of the most like storied franchises. Um, you know, you can kind of imagine if you were to to pull up stereotypical NFL fan, they could be wearing any of the four teams' colors that uh, are in the NFC East just as easily as you know the Patriots, maybe before even the Patriots. Um, but it's it's really a sad state is what is what has happened to to this division. It used to be. Uh, basically you would count on the, uh, on two teams out of this division every year going to the playoffs. And that's just not how it's been lately. Also side note, uh, Doug's press conference today. He, Doug said that uh, this loss isn't about Carson Wentz. Then, then what is it about? It's about him and he has to do a better job. Oh, so we're back to this bullshit again. <laughs> so yeah, took- go- the time is yours. Please go back and do a better job. Uh, all I know is that if Carson Wentz played better today, we would have won the football game. Yeah, I mean, nobody but Carson Wentz fumbled the ball and threw some of those interceptions. Yeah, he had to play great. He just had to play not bad. Right. He had to just not play bad. And he played this. It, can you think of a worse performance in his NFL career? Because I, I can't. Uh, you know, I, I honestly cannot think of a game where I was like, yeah, man, that's. That's on him, and it's the last two have pretty much been like mm, this was not a good spot in your in your uh, in your schedule to come up really small. That's the thing that's the most troubling, I believe, is if we had gotten waxed in the last two weeks, just waxed, you'd be like, well, you know, those are two really good teams, and you know, you kind of lick your wounds. We did not get waxed by either of these teams, which makes it infuriating. Because you can be like, that's we're we're way closer than we think. I just keep going back to where we were at the beginning of the season, where we're like debating: is Carson going to throw thirty touchdowns? Could he throw forty? And uh, you know, are we going to get eleven wins or thirteen wins? Are we going to be the one seed or the two seed? This is the new normal. <laughs> it's uh remember that Saturday live sketch about election night and it was a bunch of democrats watching yeah, the election yeah, return classic sketch yeah and i just think you know there was a statement there it's like oh you know the nightmare scenario is that hillary wins the electoral college but loses the popular vote and that was us preseason. it's like you know what if Carson wins the Super Bowl, but it's against a really inferior opponent? We'll <laughs> still have this legacy of Nick Foles hanging over us. That that'd be horrible. Or Car- or we win the Super Bowl, but Carson's not the MVP. And then what are we yeah. gonna do about that? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> all right. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about the Eagles anymore. Yeah. Tonight, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Let's move on to some other stuff. Um. When we last talked about the Sixers, uh, I kind of outlined the gauntlet of really terrible teams they were going to play, all leading up to a marquee matchup between them and the Heat um, this weekend. And uh, that didn't quite go according to plan. Uh, But boy, the the back-to-back with the Spurs and the Heat were, were... Really just let your imagination run wild about what things could become with this Sixers team. 
Do you feel that um, maybe more than any other sport, the NBA first really like until Christmas, like you just have no idea what you're watching, that that any of these teams can completely kind of reinvent themselves. And it's it's hard to overreact, you know, either underreact or overreact to anything that kind of happens early in the season. Because I, I was one of those people that after – I'm trying to think of what you know. Was it was it really like that that West Coast swing? They had they had lost three in a row and then came back. And I feel like they lost a bad game to an Eastern Conference team. And it was like, man, you know, maybe I was wrong about this all along. And then you have two games like this, and you're like, no, no, they're they're great. And you also see, was Gordon Hayward really that important to the Celtics? Have they lost like seven in a row since he went out with a with a busted hand? I I didn't think that he was the 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 straw that stirred that drink, but um. I did think that the Heat were for real. I did, and I I still do. This is the weird thing about the NBA. Um, certain teams can just have another team's number, but man, like, well, this this kind of feeds into the problem of the NBA, which is the fact that the teams that are going to make the playoffs or the teams that are you know the one through four seed in the East and the West know they're going to be the top seeds, and they're just kind of going through the paces of the regular season. Now there's going to be these games that come up that have special meaning to, to some, maybe only, maybe even only to one of the teams, right? This game, this heat game was significant for the Sixers. It was significant for Ben. It was significant for Joel and it was significant for Josh Richardson. And when you turn it on the heat side, Maybe Butler wanted something out of this game, and maybe he didn't. I don't know. He he's a very mercurial person, so he I don't know. A, but, he's a weird dude. <laughs> but it definitely meant something for Ben, and Ben played out of his mind, lockdown D on Jimmy Butler all night. Yeah, I, I I was I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I was looking at the they they showed a comparative box scores between two players you know player a and player b and one player had like in 22 minutes 32 points and eight assists and the other had 11 and four or whatever and uh player a was jimmy butler and player b was josh richardson you know uh, you know in two less minutes he basically looked like put up a stat line that was uh an all-star and jimmy butler looked like uh, a guy Well, there was the tweet there was the tweet from spike Eskin, did you see that? I don't know that I saw that one. No, it was it was basically the eleven million dollar player scored thirty two points, and the thirty two million dollar player scored 11. eleven. Yeah, and and that and that's the thing is that you know he looked like uh, but I even remember there were games like that last year when Jimmy Butler's playing for the Sixers, like. That yeah. is not an uncommon thing for Jimmy Butler to do. Where... And he's not a max effort every night guy. No, but the so anyway the 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 Heat they're basically the best team in the East. Uh, right now and we're we're one game behind them and, and you know like just know that this game like when the fans were so into it it was it was complete playoff atmosphere you know booing every time jimmy got the ball whether you know whether he deserves booze or not i mean never even asked to play for this team um so i don't know where you where you guys stand on that but yeah the fans really wanted it and and the this it it really can to the city you, know, you got joel doing shimmies at center court and everything loved that shimmy <laughs> it's awesome man when, when they when they really want to do it and I, I honestly think it is as so much of that like 
mentally are they checked into this game or not? Or, you know, are they playing the Knicks and they're sleepwalking through the first three quarters before they, you know, try to turn it on and win the end of the game? Um, are, you know, the Cavs, they've been struggling with the Cavs this season just because it's like, you know, how, how can you get up for all 82 games? Right. And the NBA is one of those leagues where it's like, no, nah, you don't really have to because it's all kind of meaningless until the tournament. Right. Right. Yeah. And there is that distinction of like the teams you say, Dave, they're like predestined to to be in the upper half of the conference. And think about how often, you know, compare the uh, Sixers preseason to the Eagles preseason. What were we talking about Sixers preseason? Load management and Joel Embiid. You know, we're talking about like, oh, good, we have enough players. We can have Joel take nights off so that he's ready for the playoffs. So if we're talking about it and the team's planning it, you know, the players think it, too. You know, and they have to, you know, to be prepared for when the games really matter. And that that heat game. Oh, boy. What was the final score of that? It was embarrassing. It was like 115 to 85, I think. Yeah, that's. Oh, that was a thing and of it, beauty. And it wasn't that close. <laughs> well, I, actually, I didn't get to watch the game um, real time. I was at a company Christmas party, but I was checking my phone and uh, I saw the first quarter. It was like 25 to 11. And I'm like, oh, this is a nice start. Let's hope they can keep it up through four quarters because this is the you know, MO of the Sixers. Tons of turnovers in the second half, letting other teams back into it. It's funny because um, I made the exact same comment to a friend of mine that was sitting next to me last night. Yeah, but when they have this razor sharp focus, commitment to defense, um, and they do it for a full 48 minutes, I mean, it, it's just like one of those things where it's like, look at this team. They can beat anybody. They they really can. They really can. And and just to kind of backtrack a little bit, uh, you know, and I thought that this would lead our conversation about the Sixers tonight, honestly. But, uh, you know, we finally got to see the new weapon, the Ben Simmons three-pointer. The the Sixers oh. are 1-1 one and one, or 1-0 and oh when he hits a three-pointer. Uh, do, do you feel like now we almost, can... I honestly almost thought about putting uh, Comcast in the penalty box for put, put it, having that as a, um, as a stat. Yeah. As a stat, they put at the bottom on like the crawl or something like yeah. that. Pictures want to know when Ben Simmons makes yeah. a three. But uh, I mean, do you think now th th this horse is, is we can officially call this a dead horse now that he's done no. it in an NBA game? No, if he was doing a couple a game, I would say, okay, it's, it's over now. He, this is part of, regular life now but it's still like uh seeing a seeing like bigfoot in the wild or something you know it's as opposed to captivity <laughs> Chuck. <laughs> um, um yeah no i, I agree with you dave <laughs> it, i mean you, you you break the ice by making the one three-pointer now it's like not gonna be is he ever gonna make one but it's it's not a weapon. It's not something to be counted on. Just and when you look at legitimate three-pointer attempts from Ben Simmons, it's unbelievably low. The vast majority of Ben's three-point attempts are end-of-the-quarter heaves. Right. right? Yes. So I, he can do it. Like every practice, every warm-up, every offseason, it's just videos of Ben Simmons just – knocking down threes like they're nothing so you can do it i just don't i 
I don't get it, man. I just I don't get it. This is my my take on this. I honestly think that in the when the game is going, Ben Simmons generally does not feel that there are very many players, and I honestly think that this is the way his mindset is. He doesn't think that there are that many players that if they're standing between him and the rim, that he's actually not precluded from just driving. Like I honestly think that there are very very few players where when Ben Simmons has got five feet off between him and a defender where he goes, oh, well, the best option to score here is me shooting over. He always, always thinks, "Mm, if I can't pass this, the best option for us to get the points is for me to go through that guy. So I think that if that's his mentality, and it's probably always been his mentality because he's always been this kind of freak specimen, uh, and he grew up in Australia where I can't imagine that there were very many people, even in the entire continent, that were even his, his size, let alone, uh, you know, that he was playing against. So, uh, you know, until he got to, like, LSU, he wasn't seeing people where he wasn't able to physically dominate anybody he wanted to. And I think that that has led to this kind of aggressive mindset and that's one of those things where you can't keep that kind of edge for 82 games and and if he did he would be an all-time all-time but it's just not possible to put that kind of because I think that he does give as close to a max effort as you can expect for a guy that plays his game the only problem with this whole thing is that he plays point guard if you you know if you count how many times during a basketball game you go no don't shoot that three um because you know you you know it's coming from a non high percentage shooting player, uh, you would be saying that about Ben. So I mean I'm not really sure like why we want him to shoot so many threes if we feel like it's going to be a low percentage shot for him. I get it with the floor spacing and this that and the other thing, but look whatever. If the team has success, I'm not worried about where the points come from. And the guy is a near triple double average a night guy and i don't know yeah, he hit a triple double against what the spurs yeah. and certainly if not that's his average like he is absolutely a threat to put up a triple double every night which is what you usually hear from a center that's the crazy thing there are very few point guards that are triple double threats because they don't get rebounds um and and that's the amazing thing about ben simmons and that's why i wear his jersey has ben been significantly better this season or more consistent or the Ben haters just quieter because I feel like last season I heard it most of the season saying that you know Ben Simmons is overrated or that this kid isn't really panning out or or sort of talk like that and then you know the smart basketball fans would shout those people down and this year I'm not really hearing that so I don't know if you know, if is is he having that much better a year, or just the dumb people quiet? Uh, my takeaway is that he seems to have kind of found another gear. He certainly seems much more in control. I think he's cut down his turnovers quite a bit, um, and I think that you have a team around him that complements better what his strengths are. So uh, he can kind of flash more, and you see him. To me, where you really see his game improved is I, I just think that he is an all-NBA defender right now. And I think that you've seen him uh, lock down some of the best players in the NBA. And, um, you know, you can kind of count on that. And the team around him is just – it's just better suited for that sort of um, thing to flash. Yeah, and and kind of the buzz last year was that Jimmy Butler made Ben uncomfortable. 
somehow, oh. some way, whether it was, um, you know, comments about him or pressuring him in the locker room or I don't know what, but there, there was rumors that it was just not a great relationship between Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons. Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid, great relationship. Um, not not the same with uh, with Ben Simmons. Yeah, the only thing I noticed, you know, between last year and this year, is it, it feels like Ben Simmons is more of a presence on the floor. Like he's more of a leader. He's the team seems to revolve around him more. Whereas when Jimmy Butler showed up last year, it became like, all right, this is Joel and Jimmy's team. You know, and then, you know, Ben is a great player on this team, but, you know, he wasn't really seen as this leader. He wasn't seen as, you know, a driving force on this team, whereas this season, that seems to be very much the case that he is a leader. You know, it's his team almost as much as uh, Embiid's. I I think if you, you, this is an analogy I think I would make for Jimmy Butler. Um, It's like if you get a new kid in the eighth grade, right before everybody's going to go to high school and Ben and Joe and, and Joel had been the popular kids. And then Jimmy shows up and he's like, man, I am going to show you guys how to really live up this last year in junior high school. And so, you know, he, he brought out the bandanas and did all the fun stuff. And the whole time Ben's like, oh God, you know, like, yeah, this is kind of fun, but like, really, I, I just want to graduate because there are bigger and better things ahead for me and JoJo because we're going to go to the same high school. And uh, I think that Jimmy's dad got reassigned and, uh, you know, he was a military brat and got moved to some warmer, you know, base down in the south, uh, you know, south of the country. And Jimmy and, and JoJo and Ben went on to high school. And that's what we're seeing. You know, now they're going to go and play with the big boys and Jimmy's going to be on South Beach and he's going to be mouthing off and he's the big celebrity and. But I don't think there's any ill will necessarily, but I think that like what, you know, that's that was the kind of Ben's just like, I, this guy's just, he's too much. Go away. I got serious work to do. Gene, what Gene you just wrote. Oh, I think Dave and I are going to make the same joke. Go, go Dave. Go. I was going to say that Gene just wrote the weirdest episode of Parker Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, Gene, I was going to say, Gene just pitched the next drama on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> um about Parker Lewis last I uh, can't lose um connection to the program with uh really Cornemic in the uh not Cornemic the the big dude uh who had the Larry's lunch um that dude was oh, in yeah, the program <laughs> That's a deep cut there Parker Lewis can't lose I mean like not a lot of people remember that rare gem from the 90s uh, well, I think I dropped something in the chat uh, the other day of, of a a quote from the Ben Stiller show, uh, another oh. Fox <laughs> gem from that era that only lasted a season. But check it out. Or well, not. It might not have aged well in the past 20-some years. Uh, well, synchronized swatches. I think it's time to uh, talk about the Flyers now. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, Morgan Frost. Uh, Morgan Frost is up. Morgan Frost is a presence on this team, um, but it hasn't kept not... us out of shootouts, Chuck. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, all right, fine. We'll no. We'll, we're gonna finish on the positive and then jump to the 
than maybe negative. But Morgan Frost is a presence on this team, either number one or number two center, depending on how you want to think about it. And he's shown himself well. Uh, last game, not as, as good as the first two, but in his three games with the Flyers, he's looked very good. He looked very comfortable. The first goal, was was that the one that was like a near side post backhand? Yes, it was. Like the top corner. I was like, oh my lord. What a great first goal. And he's wearing Danny Breer's old number. I'm yeah. like, ah, I didn't quite like that. Then I saw that goal. Like, And I, I knew you know, Frost to be a great player. And just that goal and his size on the ice is the way he's sort of made a beeline to the corner and it's flipped it in there. I'm like, okay, 48 works for him. This is an interesting aside. Uh, Breer is never going to have his number retired as a flyer. Is, is the next best thing to be having – if you're not going to have your number put into the raffers, is the the next best thing to have it put on the back of somebody who's going to be a star? Yeah, um, I, I think he got the honor of the the temporary retirement. You know, he hasn't been on this team in a while. I guess um, when was the last lockout? 2013. So he was bought out maybe 2014. So it's been like four or five years since anyone's worn the number 48. And if he can hand it off to to Frost and it be like, okay, this is Frost, like heir apparent to Briere. If every time, you know, Morgan Frost does something great, we're thinking of Danny Briere. That's pretty cool. Then also those luxury ads, the like for the, you know, the luxury suites, those ads where it seemed like Danny Briere was like, about to have sex in one of them like he comes up like somebody hands him a scotch there's a close-up on his rolex for some reason and then a woman walks up behind him and it goes to black it's like luxury boxes i'm like what the fuck's gonna happen next um but hey, no quick, morgan Frost has been great quick personal story about danny briere i when i was working at um borgata uh, at the, as a hotel manager we had a huge check-in line one day and uh and as I was walking out, I noticed, you know, maybe a few from the front at this point was Danny Breer standing in line to check into the hotel. Um, you know, and I kind of I was like, yo, Danny Breer, like, come over here. Like, we'll get you checked in. What are you doing standing in the in the line? He was like, you know, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what to do. I'm just standing in line I'm like a normal person. So <laughs> that always endeared me to him. So that's my little personal Danny Breer. Is he as short as I imagine he is yes. in real life? Totally. Yep. <laughs> I was like, are you wearing shoes that make you even shorter? <laughs> um, but to Gene's question about the shootout, yeah, we've, um, I think, have seen eight, most in the league by at least two. We always get a point. Yeah. Well, that's an, another thing. How many games in November do you think that we've gone pointless? I can two? only think of like two. Yeah. It's two. Oh, we, we all watch the games. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know when I was. No, no. Uh, one was against up, Ottawa, I was... and I can't. I can't remember what the other one was. I know one was yeah, the Ottawa, Ottawa one was the one that really hurt. Ottawa and then the Panthers. Okay. Okay. Right. So two kind kind of recently, and this team. The thing about the Flyers is, you know, we've talked a lot about preseason expectations. They are kind of where I thought they would be at this point. I thought. You know, I expect us to finish higher than, you know, the last wild card spot. 
but at this point in the season, I kind of expected things to be getting figured out. Yeah, They're but not it's even... not it's not an even trajectory, in my opinion. It's we're on an upward trajectory. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is really encouraging to me because normally I feel like we're like oh, treading water, treading water, treading water. It's like yeah, win know, one, lose even one, even flyers one. like the whole way through. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, we got Scott Lawton back. You know the the little struggles we had. You know, we were red hot. Scott Lawton got injured, and then, you know, we had a, I don't know, three-game losing streak or something like that. And now he's back. That really bolsters the bottom six. Uh, Frost looks great with uh, Giroux. Giroux is coming alive. Voracek on Couturier's line. Uh, Voracek's looking better. Hayes. Oh, I want to talk about Hayes real quick. Yeah, he's got two goals in the last two games. But if you don't appreciate what Hayes is doing defensively, you're not watching the games. He he is all over that ice. He is making a difference. All over the place in a good way? Yes, all over the place in a good way. Damn it, I've said it before. <laughs> no, man, you say that line a lot. Like and not on not on the show, but like to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I might have said it on the show. But he is all over the place in a good way. And I'm really pleased. Like, you know, from the last time we talked about the Flyers, our record isn't the greatest, but I'm loving everything behind it. And that loss to the Flames the other day, that we lost that game in the second period. The one that we dominated, like 14 shots to two or something. And the the biggest thing we failed to do was come away with more than one goal in that period. And that was a little bit of bad luck. Maybe it's some guys clutched in the sticks too hard, but we're throwing pucks on that. We're taking high percentage shots. So, And the one thing but, we're not uh, talking about is bad goaltending. We're, no. We have not brought it up. So that's always something that's great in Flyerland. And uh, I was I was hanging out with some Rangers fans last night, and, uh, God, it is refreshing to, to, to you know, not – to listen to some other teams who have some, what I would say, some typical Flyers problems. Uh, the 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 Rangers, they're a very very uh, green team. I don't know what else, how else to 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 say it. It sounds like they they've just got some very young players, and uh, they 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 will have blitzes. Like I guess last night they actually came back from uh, being down four nothing and won six five. I think, um, but you know. New Jersey was was everybody preseason was talking about how they were just going to run circles around the division. It doesn't look like they, they've come out as one of the worst teams in the in the league. Uh, Columbus looks human. Uh, you know, the main and maybe the biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference is that Toronto goes out and makes a coaching change uh, in the middle of the season. Not even the middle of the season, the beginning of the season. Um, you know, Chuck, did that surprise you? And and honestly, what? Why didn't the Flyers do something like this last year? Why didn't they go and make make the big move last year? And why did we wait so deep into the season before we we tried to get back in it? Um, well, we'll, we'll talk about the Leafs first. It surprised me that it happened when it did, not that it happened. There's been a lot of rumbling since the new GM took over in um with the Leafs. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he is the spitting image of Rachel Maddow. It's very distracting. But um, their GM took over um, from Lou Lamarillo a few years ago. 
and he and Kyle Dubas is his name, and he and Babcock did not really see eye to eye, and the AHL coach they promoted was always like Dubas's guy. So it's not surprising that the way they were struggling, it wasn't surprising that Babcock got fired. I mean, Toronto, you talk about, you know, the Flyers having money to burn. Toronto's got even more. You know, they, they can fire the highest paid coach in the league and still pay him for, you know, two, three more seasons. It doesn't matter. Now, um, so it happened a little bit earlier than I thought, but I, I'm not totally surprised. Now, as for the Flyers not making that change, it all comes down to Hextall. I think people were telling Hextall, like, dude, you got to fire your guy. And Hextall, being the stubborn dick that he is, said no. And then it really was, you know, Holmgren, and we didn't really talk about this on the show, but Holmgren making his exit plan, you know, wanting to actually retire but not being able to do so until the Flyers were in good hands. So it wasn't a little shift. It wasn't just, you know, changing the coach or even just changing the GM. It was bringing in somebody that, you know, Homer felt comfortable handing the, you know, the keys to the kingdom to, you know, going to Chuck Fletcher, you know, you know, here's somebody you know, to, to to manage the team until Dave Scott becomes enough of a hockey guy to continue at Snyder's yeah. legacy. You know, so, yeah, I think the, the main reason the Flyers didn't make the move earlier in the season last year, um, and it probably would have been around this time that uh, Hexall got fired. Um, it, it just, Hexall was unwilling to do it. And, God, the night and day difference between Hackstall and Elaine Vigneault <laughs> is so refreshing. <laughs> you know, Elaine Vigneault tells you things. He goes, yeah, I'm not happy with the way this guy's playing. Oh, I man, like accountability. Yeah. And but the players know why they're being held accountable. Like, hey, what was with the ghost scratch um, last game? They said they, it was a matchup thing. Yeah, they said it was a matchup thing. And. Uh... Yeah, only a little. I think it was a bit of message sending. Also, Haig didn't look bad. Why does got to make an example of uh, of Goss's bear? Well, before, I don't know. This season, he has not been good. He He doesn't have his offensive game. His defensive game hasn't been great. He's just, he's just not finding his spot. And... I'm not a trade ghost kind of guy because I do think he's really talented, but the the longer the longer this down stretch goes on, he might just need to change the scenery. You know, a team that doesn't have as many defensive prospects and they can just go, hey, you're the best guy we have. Go nuts out there. Play defense when you want to play defense. Score when you want to score. And I think he could really thrive in that situation. Right now, unfortunately, he has to contend with uh, Provorov, who's having an amazing year. Sanheim, who's really turned around, having a very strong year. Um, Niskanen, who is having a great rebound year from last year and really brings a lot of stability to the team. Braun, hey, a stay-at-home defenseman who isn't a liability. Braun, Braun's, Braun's been been fun to watch, honestly. I really like that yeah. style of defender. Yeah, our, 
our defense has been good and should only get better. Um, Phil Myers, man, Phil Myers, he's came in like house on fire. He's cooled off somewhat, but I mean, Phil Myers has been great. Even Haig at points has been good. So, and we've got and we got people coming too. We got people coming, but they're not banging down the door just yet. This isn't like the people who were the the next wave are are here. Um, we got Friedman down there, but he's gonna be a, a five or a six, which is might be what we need. I, I just lo- I love when young like bringing young players in and letting them contribute. It just gets you like excited about the team. Like that, oh, yeah. I, I don't know. If it's, like I, I, you know, Voracek is you know has been for me. I feel like that's part of like I don't know. I know he scored in the Calgary game, but I really don't remember ever th- even thinking about Voracek's name really all season long. He, he hasn't had a great year. Uh, well, he hasn't had a good year. He hasn't had yeah. a good year. He's he's used to playing with the top line he's used to helping somebody else score or working with another dynamic player his chemistry with Hayes that was there in the preseason hasn't really shown up in the regular season you you put um anybody you put one of us with uh Sean Couturier and Oscar Lindblom they're gonna get going but Lindblom Konechny Mm. have become really the linchpins of this offense and Giroux is now coming along Couturier sorry Couturier number one center man he is he is Patrice uh, Patrice Bergeron 2.0 you know I, I started this section by like going well here's you know the tempered expectations but just talking about the Flyers for a little bit gets me so damn excited they have all these great chips in play and when things are you know going well to mix my metaphors when you know when everything's firing on all cylinders um they're a really damn good team so let me ask this this is something i've been thinking about are the flyers uh a hipster team oh so i like the flyers before it was cool or like only cool people know about the flyers yeah is it, are the flyers like one of those teams right now where you know, it's like, oh, oh, I th- I'm going to be trendy and pick the Flyers to do damage. Not just yet. They're showing up in power rankings, which I don't even know why I look at. Um, they're they're one of the most. <laughs> That's a good use of your time. Yeah, <laughs> especially from ESPN. Yeah, well, ESPN has gotten well. ESPN's online coverage has always been good. Um, well, in the last decade or so. Um, but yeah, it's. So people recognize that they're playing well. People recognize that things are clicking, but they're not in the conversation. Listen to any national podcast, and they are not talking about the Flyers. Maybe because they're not exciting just yet, but it's some team that, you know, everyone should be concerned with come playoff time. You know, if if they continue to progress as they are, they're going to be a really tough out come the playoffs. Now that's that's a far away away. A lot of things can happen, but they have all the right pieces. They have all the right pieces to be really good. Cool. All right, so I will take that awkward silence as <laughs> signal that it's time to go to Chuck's penalty box. 
Thank you, Dave. And Dave, I'm going to throw it right back to you. Um, who is in your penalty box outside of awkward silences? I'm putting new era caps in the penalty box. Oh, okay. Have you guys seen the new line of hats that new era has put out? Um, are these like the weird fashion ones? They're where called, it's, like... it's called the elements line. Yes, I have seen those. And basically the idea is we're going to take some small part of your team's logo or identity and make it the big part of the cap. Yeah. Uh, so what they have decided to do, and this looks really cool for a bunch of other teams, by the way, I think the, the twins look awesome. Uh, the, the, the reds look awesome. Cause it's just like the mustache, the red hat <laughs> with the black mustache. Oh, uh, it's really cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, the Orioles uh, one looks pretty neat. Anyway, they're actually mo almost all of them look really cool. Uh, the Phillies, they have decided to make an all red hat with a big blue Dallas Cowboys star in yeah. the center of it. It looks horrible. It is horrible. It is so offensive to the eye. <laughs> I can't, so and if you look at the hat, there's sort of a uh, like a deeper red uh, P that goes around because you know that um, the, the logo of the P with the with the blue star in the center of it. Yeah, basically they they blew that out, made the star huge, uh, and then gave a like P shadow around it. You would really need to see the picture of it to to kind of get what I'm saying. But stop with the blue star, like enough. It's done now. I heard somewhere maybe on the radio that. Um, there were these uh, designers out in Buffalo, New York, putting these together. So they really don't know the flavor of the Philadelphia landscape to know that a blue star is like one of the most offensive symbols you can put anywhere <laughs> in the city. Dude, it's, it's, it's a quick Google search, man. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. It's uh, Chuck. Have you seen it? I have. I have. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's so grotesque. It. Okay, cool. You what? Yeah. Did you say it's, it's very nice? No, grotesque. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So for that, I'm putting new era tickets in the penalty box. All right. So new error caps, specifically uh, for the design of the Philadelphia Phillies cap. Do a little research. Don't get your Dallas Stars in our Philadelphia Phillies. That is a double minor for cross-contamination. We have to clear up the whole kitchen now. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Dateline, Landover, Maryland, today. I don't know if you guys even know who the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins is. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Do you, either of you know off the top of your head the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins? Isn't it uh, Dwayne Haskins? That is correct. His name is Dwight Haskins, but close oh, enough. Okay. Dwayne the bathtub. I'm drowning in here. <laughs> Anybody know how many wins the uh, Washington football team has at this point? They have two. I they knew have that. Two, also correct. Now, fun fact: Do you know which quarterback took the final snap for the Washington football team this afternoon? Colin Kaepernick. No. <laughs> if you guessed Case Keenum, I think it was Case Keenum. Well, he started the season, check. so that would make sense. Yeah. Case Keenum would be correct. The reason why he took it was because 
Dwayne Haskins, who had started the game, was so excited that they were going to win that he missed making the field for the final snap because he was taking a selfie with a fan. So in order (laughs) to complete the game, Washington had to substitute their quarterback to go and kneel down because their quarterback couldn't get back to the field to kneel in victory for they couldn't even kneel correctly and what's even better is if you look at the selfie because obviously it's 2019 we have these things it's basically one guy like getting this picture taken with with the with the quarterback and there's like no fans behind him. You know, like if you were to do this in like any other stadium, it's literally it's a picture of one guy like woo and like all of these other fans are leaving. This is a game that Washington won at home. The fans couldn't even be so excited for their second they're leaving. They're they're beating traffic. The, you know, the 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 five fans that were in that section that are left, they're basically all headed out. There is absolutely no energy, no thrill, no joy in this picture. And on top of it, he couldn't manage to get back on the field to finish the game. Um, Washington football fans, I, I honestly am starting to feel bad for you. This, what a joke of an organization. <laughs> all right. So there's a lot of people there. I'm going to assume it's against Dwight. Did we say his name is Dwight Haskins? Dwayne. Dwayne. Okay, so Dwayne Haskins, uh, you are getting a two-minute minor for a hashtag selfie, hashtag violation, uh, hashtag no filter. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, two-minute violation. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? All right, so my penalty box comes from where most of mine, you know, sort of gripes do. It comes from Twitter, and I was going through it, and I saw uh, Dave Foley you guys hear that? Oh, you know what that mo- no- noise means? It means we have an audible. We're doing Chuck's holiday gift guide instead of a penalty box. Oh. So when I was going through Twitter, I found Dave Foley's uh, Twitter feed, and he mentioned something called Cameo. Have you guys heard of Cameo? Uh, No. What is it? Uh, it's Cameo.com. And this is a service that will allow you um, the opportunity to pay money for a celebrity to give a message to a, a family member or a loved one or someone you don't like. It doesn't really matter. I a personal, personalized message from a celebrity. So I looked into this and the holiday season is around the corner. Um, this is our last episode before Black Friday. And if you're looking for a gift for your Philadelphia sports fan, there are a lot of options out there. For $100, you can get a message from Chris Pronger. For $50, you can get a message from Vince Papali. For $75, you can get a message from Seth Joyner. And now we're getting into some of the bargain ones. $15, Mickey Morandini. Oh. That's like I like if, that. If you want Merry Christmas for Mickey Morandini, that's fifteen bucks. Um, if you want one from uh, Hakeem Laws, the unlike Aguilar guy, fifteen bucks. <laughs> uh, a friend of the show, uh, Trish Hirschberger, uh, YouTube and Twitch snitch with whatever the video it's, game it's stream. Twitch, it's Twitch. Start only fifteen bucks. Uh, recent Hockey Hall of Fame uh, inductee Haley Wickenheiser, fifteen bucks. 
you know, for the young hockey fan in your life. And probably the biggest bargain at $95, Lenny Dykstra, provided he's not in jail, can give a message to you. And I don't know what is better out there for your, your Philadelphia sports fan than a rambling message about aliens and maybe some racism from Lenny Dykstra for, for $95. So for this special edition of Chuck's Penalty Box, where we're doing Chuck's holiday gift guide, I recommend going to cameo.com, finding a celebrity to match your price point and give the gift that keeps on giving. I didn't know if I should have played the whistle there. No, you handled it well. Not, Cause, okay. Cause Especially I have calling any... out if I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best part about it, right? I feel like that Mickey Morandini one seems to be the most intriguing one that you put out there. Yeah, for 15 bucks. With like... all due respect to Trish Hirschberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but... I actually thought, like, what would Seth Joyner's – like, that can't be a real chipper greeting. Like, that's going to be – especially, like, if he had to fulfill it this afternoon. Like, can you imagine, like, after coming off the set from the Seattle game, they're like, hey, uh, Seth, can you just record this for – for Chuck, he, he really so liked Chuck, you do you get to, like, sort of tell them what to say? Well, you get to give, you know, you get to request the message. Like, I want a happy holidays message, or I want a happy e- birthday message. Exactly. But you and don't then, get to say, like, I want you to say, yo, fool, s- celebrate that birthday in hell <laughs> with Joe's grandma. Like, you... <laughs> Well, maybe. I mean, that might have to be negotiated at a higher fee. But yeah, I mean, there are voiceover artists on there. Like you can get uh, the guy who did the voice of Roger Rabbit. You know, I'm 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 assuming he's going to yeah. do the Roger Rabbit voice. But so, I mean, it's out there. Look into it. Cool. So get to see how far some stars have fallen. So great. That's awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Um, we'll be back with you next Monday. Hey, huge, uh, Sixers Raptors game tonight. Um, and an equally big Eagles Dolphins game next weekend. I suppose, Chuck, we got any big Flyers matchups this week? It's a four game week, man. Uh, tonight, uh, against, uh, the Canucks, um, Wednesday against the Blue Jackets. Then it's American Thanksgiving, the traditional cutoff line. If you're in the playoffs during American Thanksgiving, you look pretty good to make the playoffs for the rest of the year. Then um, the Black Friday game against uh, Detroit, and then another game the day after, and I forget who that's against, but it's uh, a four-game week uh, against Montreal. So it's going to be a a busy week for the Flyers. Cool, cool, cool. So if you haven't done so already, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Also check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Wishing everyone out there a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, And we'll be back with you on Monday. So have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here. 